We have been in a deep dive into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for several months now, and we're pretty captivated by this vision that he's giving us of what it will really be like when things are done on earth as they are in heaven. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful description of what it would be like if every single human being was always acting in love and only in love. Amen? Yeah, that draws our hearts in for sure. But that being said, we're taking a pause for a couple of weeks because it's Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, we're going to focus on a couple of other things this week and next, and we will come back to the Sermon on the Mount the week after Easter, and we will pick up a fascinating part of the conversation that every single person is going to want to uh, lean in and, uh, and just take in. Uh, but for today, I want to talk about a practice that was quite common to the first followers of Jesus, couple of thousand years ago. Uh, curiously, it's not nearly as commonplace probably today, uh, at least not in the sense in which I think they practiced it. And uh, I'm curious as to whether or not we have missed a gift that God wants us to have. If there's some impact this might be having on us, our relationships and our churches, we're not even aware of it consciously because we're not that accustomed to it. And so I want to proclaim this good news to us today. Confession is a lifestyle of truth-telling about ourselves. It's about becoming aware of our whole selves so we can live as we are in both weaknesses and strengths. When we practice this together as a community, we experience healing and the freedom of honest relationships with each other. What a now, when I say the word confession, I bet the next word that came to your mind was not gift, right? Because <laughs> we're not very conditioned to think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to put all my stuff out there. That'll be awesome. That's not usually the correlation that we make. But I wonder if we aren't missing out on something. I wonder if there's not an unopened gift right here for the taking this morning that we've never unwrapped. And so I'm going to talk about that for a few minutes. When I think about confession and how it's shown up in my life and changed my life, I have to start with my friendship uh, with Mac, who's sitting over here. He doesn't know I'm going to tell this this morning, <laughs> but uh, Mac has been a high He and Penny came here in 1997. He was one of our pastors for 16 years. And when they first showed up, just all fresh and sparkly in their 20s, um, Somehow we connected, mostly through youth ministry. I was the youth minister at the time, and he, they began serving in student ministry. We began hanging out a lot and in those serving environments a lot, and, and we became incredibly good friends. And what I discovered in my friendship with Mac is that over time, I began to trust somebody with the good, bad, and ugly of my life. <laughs> Probably the first friend that I ever had that I felt like I could confess anything. I could truly be myself. And I remember what it was like when I first realized I had an utter lack of self-protection with somebody. Just tell the truth, whatever it is, and be the real me, whether that was weaknesses or whether that was strengths. It was such a, a revelatory thing for me, and I didn't even know there were places deep in my soul that were wounded that would heal when I felt free to just be me with another person, just somebody who had skin on, Jesus with skin on. 
And it began to have a spillover effect on my other relationships with Brenda and my kids, of course, uh, most notably. But it was like the more I told the truth about myself, the clearer vision I got about who Brian really is. It was the more I began to realize what it was like for other people to experience Brian, that became clearer to me. And I truly cannot imagine the person I would be if I had not discovered that gift all those years ago. And I'm deeply grateful to Mac for being a friend who would uh, let me experience that both then and now. But it, it, it got bigger than that because as this became a lifestyle, that began to spill over into other friendships and other relationships. And I just began to get more and more comfortable to live as my real self with other people, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in small ways. But it it truly transformed how I live my life. And friends, I, I think that's when I first began to catch the vision of this good news. The confession is a lifestyle of truth-telling about ourselves. That it's about becoming aware of our whole selves so we can live as we are in both our weaknesses and our strengths. And when we practice this together as a community, we experience healing and the freedom of honest relationships with other human beings. And that is a gift. In the New Testament letters, James describes it like this. He says, for this reason, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? Yeah. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful in what it can achieve. Mm-hmm. Boy, it's vulnerable though, isn't it? When you just sit here and think about this right now, I mean, whatever your sins are this morning or this past week or whatever, something's coming to your mind, right? It's either the current things going on in your life, big or small, or like the really big ones from somewhere back in your life. And we think, confess my, why would I confess my sins to somebody else? And James puts it right there, so you can be healed. Do you want to be healed, right? So you can have somebody who will pray for you as you really are, not as you aren't. That, friends, is a weirdly beautiful gift. I think it's, I think it's worth naming that somehow God connects our healing to our relationship with each other. You know? Like your best healing is not going to happen by yourself in a cave somewhere. Your best healing is going to happen in a flesh-on-flesh relationship with somebody else who loves Jesus. That's where the best healing comes from. Amen? Yes, for sure. We're going to keep her. I don't know where you got her, but you're going to sit right there next week too. <laughs> See, we would prefer to be left alone when it comes to our sins. Amen? Yeah, you just leave me alone. I'll take care of this. I'll figure it out. I'm probably going to get better. And if I'm not, you're just never going to know about it. So just leave me alone. I can live as who I really am if you just let me live as who I really am. That's the lie that we will tell ourselves, and I get that impulse. I live like that consciously sometimes, unconsciously at other times for many, many years in my own life, but apparently that's not how it really works. Apparently, according to Scripture, our healing is connected to our relationships with other people in Christ. In other words, I need you to be myself, and you need me to be yourself, and we need each other if we're going to be ourselves. And if we're going to have real freedom in this world the way God designed it to work, it happens when I can see who I really am in your eyes, and I see the unconditional love of Christ for me through you. That, friends, is an amazing gift. 
I think how it really works is that we make our choices and then our choices make us, as somebody has said. Let's just think about that for a moment. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set life and death, blessing and curse before you. Now choose life, which is one of those duh scriptures, isn't it? Like, well, of course, I'm saying, tell me something I don't know, right? But here's the thing, friends, listen, all of us, every one of us in this room, have made choices in our lives of death over life, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in ways we didn't even realize that's fully what was going on at the time. Uh, the French philosopher Camus says we get into the habit of living before we get into the habit of thinking. Let's just leave that up there for a second. Read that one more time to yourself. In other words, before we can fully think about or even realize in some cases what the eventual consequences of our choices will be, we've made those choices. And now we've developed some pattern. And now we're living out that pattern every single day. And we weren't even conscious at the beginning of, oh, that's what all is going to come along with that. <laughs> Woo, I didn't even know that was going to look like that. Can we just think about that for a moment? You already are, so I'm just going to give you permission to think about it. Because you're already, you're already thinking about something like that in your life, right? Big or small. Might be a habit you're still, still dealing with. It may be some habit that, by God's grace, you feel freedom from right now. But in the past, you, you were there, some pattern of life, and you think, boy, I know what that's like. When I started that, I had no idea where that was going to lead. I had no idea how long it would keep a hold of me. I had no idea everything that was going to come along with that. I couldn't even imagine all the regrets I was going to eventually have when I started down that path. I was already living it before I was fully thinking about where this is headed. Amen? Now, I don't know if anybody in here want to do this. I realize this is a very vulnerable question. I realize this takes Meadow Heights Confession to a whole other level. But I'm going to give you just a second, just in case there's something that comes to your mind, and it could be something currently in your life, it could be something in the past, or maybe it's something in somebody else's life. Don't point to them. But it's somebody that you've seen this pattern develop for them or for people that you love, and you realize, man, that is so true. We make our choices then our choices start making us. They make us into a certain kind of people, you know? Is there anything like that that comes to your mind, a place in your own life where maybe you picked up a habit or a pattern before you fully realized what it would do to you before it was done with you that you would be willing to share this morning? If you're online, feel free to put it in the comments of whatever platform that you're on. Anybody? We'll just take a, two or three examples if you want to. Jerry. Yeah, yeah. And, and subconsciously or consciously make a judgment call about yeah. what they must have done or yes. yeah. in that case, et cetera. Yeah. And I was talking about this in Sunday school last week, and I sat back thinking, now what if Jesus were sitting here with me? Yeah. He's going to see entirely different people yes. than I do because he's looking in their heart. Yeah. I humanly look at them from the outside. Mm -hmm. and, and I fight that all the time. Yeah. Yes. What a good example, isn't it? That how easy it is to become a judgmental person about other people you don't even know. You have no idea who they are, how they got there, why they're living the way they're living. But, man, we're, we're just like the experts on all those other people, aren't we? Yeah, good example, man. Yes. Say that again. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've been talking about that quite a bit from the Sermon on the Mount. She said, when I took my anger and hurt out on other people. 
You know, you don't even realize. Thank you for sharing that. You don't even realize sometimes when it starts with, it feels good to be angry, right? I deserve to be angry. And you don't even realize after a while, now everybody else also gets to feel that because I'm cultivating. I'm just hanging on to it. I'm even telling myself, I got the right to do this, right? And, and sometimes there are situations that feel like that might be true, but then later we realize, whoo, <laughs> the dominoes just keep falling, don't they? The damage just keeps rolling on. That's a great example. Somebody else, these are per- perfect. Keep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Give it up for Keith. Yeah, we're proud of you, buddy. (laughs) Some of you know him, some of you don't. He's been part of our Meadow Heights family for quite a while. And uh, every time he walks in, I'm so proud of him. I'm like, man, alive, look at this guy who's truly experiencing freedom. Yes, you're on. We won't hold Houston against you. Yeah. Oh, wow. You are. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Good for you. Yes. Yes. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's wonderful. Welcome to Missouri. <laughs> That's great. In case you couldn't hear, she said the same thing as Jerry was saying. Really, we're just coming from sort of a different vantage point, but was the temptation to judge other people or to judge what my experience will be like with other people, to prejudge, you know, and then to realize, wow, that's impacting me. She said, I'm carrying that spirit with me, right? And that's impacting how I'm, how I'm inter- uh, interrelating with other people. You ran into two of the best, by the way. So <laughs> however God orchestrated that, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Good. that's great. So, so guys, listen, did you hear? I heard a couple of things as people were sharing. First of all, I'm, I have the advantage of I'm looking at their faces. You know what I'm seeing on their faces? Freedom. <laughs> I'm seeing joy. I'm seeing how freeing it is to just speak the truth about yourself and not worry about it, partly because you've come to peace with that between you and God, you know, but partly because you're in a tribe of other people who get that this is what we're all trying to do, you know, <laughs> that if there's ever a safe place to fully be yourself, it ought to be among Jesus's people, right? Amen. And so I'm seeing some of that joy, and, and I'm seeing also this. 
We make our choices, and then our choices make us, including the choice to confess, the choice to get clean, the choice to be honest about who I really am. It's how this always starts. I don't think there have been any truer words ever written than what the Apostle Paul penned to the early Roman church. He said, I don't do the good that I want to do, but I do the evil that I don't want to do. I know not all of you are the amen corner, but could we just all say amen on that one? Yes. I, I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do, and I don't do the stuff I do want to do, and I tell myself it's going to be different tomorrow, and then it's not different tomorrow, which is why I, I'm not truly judging. I've lived this. I've, I've been a pastor for 30 years. I know how this works. You know how this works. All I'm just saying up here is I doubt there's anybody in here without sins. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I teed you up for that a moment ago, so you'd be on cue by that one. Thank you for getting the cue, Jerry. No, nobody's without sin. Everybody needs healing, which is why this is such good news. Confession is a whole lifestyle of truth-telling about myself. It's becoming aware of our whole selves so we can live as we are in both our weaknesses and in our strengths and when we practice this together as a community, friends, we find healing. There's the freedom of honest relationships with each other. And that is a gift. In fact, confession is the cure for the lies we tell ourselves about the choices that we've made. <laughs> See, the real story is when I suppress the sin, when I keep it inside, when I keep it all to myself, it does have an effect. Uh, I think Leslie alluded to this in one of the answers last week on our pastor panel. But, but it'll affect my ability to trust you because if I'm hiding this, you're probably hiding something too. I'm saying, after a while, we're just all pretending and we all know we're playing that game. Or we assume we are. It will eat away at your soul. And even scripture says, at your body. Psalm 32, 3, when I kept quiet, my bones wore out. I was groaning all day long, every day, every night. Now, being 59, I'm tempted to read that verse. When I turned 55, my bones wore out. <laughs> I was groaning all day long, every day and every night. However, <laughs> that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about when you break the law of love, when you violate love in some way, and you know you have. It will eat at you. It will keep you awake at night. It is a miserable way to live. Amen? Amen. Yes. And our enemy will tell us in that situation, you're stuck now. Not a thing you can do. To, you have messed up. This is the rest of your life. It is over. Put a fork in it. You are done. Isn't that what our enemy will say to us? And yes, sometimes there are inescapable consequences of our choices. No doubt about that. But listen to me, friend. It is a lie from the pit of hell that the only option you have now is to be miserable for the rest of your one and only life. Confession is available. And it is a gift. And it's your way out. And when you start telling the truth about yourself, it softens that hard person you become so that person can get reshaped into somebody new, you know? That's how this works. You just got to humbly tell the truth to somebody. And when you tell the truth to somebody, they get to hand you the key to the prison you've been in, and you get to take a big gulp of fresh air, and it takes like no regret and no shame and, and no fear. That's what it tastes like. That's what healing always tastes like. One little sidebar remark before we go any further. 
Dan Kent says that sometimes we will fall for the imposters uh, to confession. These are imposters of confession. Uh, one of those is just that I'm sorry is confession. I'm sorry is not confession. That's, that's an admission of sorrow, but that's not the same as confessing something. I'm a terrible person. Sometimes we'll try that one. That's self-punishment, but it's not confession. I'm a sinner. It's a perspective, maybe even a healthy one, depending on the situation you're in. All of us have been there for sure. But that's not confession. Confession requires us to get real about our choices together with somebody. That's what confession is. You got to get real specific. You got to stop the generalities and you got to stop the excuses. And that means you got to get real honest and just give it a name. What is the sin? What has happened? What, what is going on? And that right there, friends, sometimes just giving it a name, calling it for what it is, will just release the power for you to finally admit all the other stuff that's beneath that, which sometimes is helpful. Get real curious. We call it compassionate curiosity in our get real groups. Can you name why it happened? Do you know what the motivation was? What put you on that path? It's not a bad thing to be curious about. How'd I get here? But at the end of the day, you get real with somebody and you share with them. This is what's going on in my life. This is the truth about me. I want freedom, and so I'm going to access this gift. Would you let me put you in that equation? And you tell the full-on, honest, hard-to-say-out-loud truth that finally breaks the back of all the lies you've been telling yourself up till now. That's it. And if we can get there, this is good news. Confession is a lifestyle of truth-telling about ourselves. It's about becoming aware of our whole selves so we live as we are in our weaknesses and our strengths. And when we practice confession together as a community of Christ followers, friends, healing and the freedom of honest relationships with people is the gift we get in response. When I first began adopting confession as sort of my default mode, it meant I had to get really honest about what I wanted. Did I want to groan all day and all night long, or did I want to be free? Did I want healing? Did I want somebody who would pray for me, knowing everything there was to know? Life or death? We call that in get real groups, getting your wanter on the table. <laughs> and that's what it always takes to get real. Amen? Isn't that what they do in recovery, Keith? You got to be able to say, this is what I want more than any of that other stuff that I've, that I've been wanting, you know? And once you can admit what you really want, you got a lot of other choices yet to make, but it sure does make those a whole lot easier if you know what you want. Because we make our choices, and our choices make us. And confession may start with one or two big moments, big choices. But it's not supposed to stop there. It's supposed to become simply the way we live. Like, I don't know any other way to live. This is just who I am, truth-telling. That's my life. <laughs> what about you? What do you want on this Palm Sunday? As we begin walking with Jesus to the cross this week, what do you really want? Can you imagine a better time to get honest about our sin? I'd like for us to start that walk together today. 
just a few moments of reflection. Maybe it would help if you bow your heads and close your eyes just so you can focus a little bit better. But I want, I want you to begin visualizing Jesus as he carries that cross through the city. I want you just to imagine that you see him there struggling, bloody and beaten. With that burden on his back. And now he approaches the gates of the city and struggles his way through. And he begins to ascend the, the hill where he'll be hung on that cross in just a few minutes. And there he is on that cross, exposed for the whole world to see. And he did it for you. He did it for love. He did it for his love of all creation, Scripture says. The only human with nothing of his own to confess takes on himself willingly everything we need to confess. <laughs> and he bears our pain and our humiliation so we don't have to, so we can be free of that. Our guilt, our fear, our regret, our shame, all right there. So you don't have to carry it another single day. Friends, listen, you are free to live as you really are in your weaknesses and strengths. We are free to find healing with each other. We are free to have honest relationships where hiding is not required and truth-telling is the norm. It's a gift. Jesus offers us the gift. Do you want it? And you might even whisper right now, Jesus, I do want it. It feels too good to be true, but what a beautiful way to be human. I want the gift.